Welcome to another episode of Born to Rome. I don't know how long it's been since we did the last one, but uh, I think it's I think it's very awesome that we can continue with uh, the wonderful, legendary Mr. Wade McNeil. It's great to be here in this Swiss hamlet yes. of Hamilton. Yes, we are in Westdale, Ontario, uh, undisclosed location. And uh, as you can see, probably it is a beautiful, beautiful day. And uh, we're here to talk about rock and roll and other things. And let's start off with talking about some beautiful, your new song um, under the name Doom's Children is, is fucking sweet, man. And I, 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 have a, I just have a question right off the top. For a guy who does not, who has not been able to kind of penetrate into the realm of Grateful Dead where do you begin? Where do you start? Tough place. It's, uh, I think, uh, you know, everyone has all these ideas about the Grateful Dead because it's such a big part of culture. Um, and then I think what they actually sound like is vastly different from what you would imagine. You know, they sound like Americana. They sound like, there's obviously all these different eras of the band, but... It's very folky in 60s and kind of Americana. And then eventually they're writing tunes that sound like like the water skiing sequence in a John Candy film. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, how do you get there? How do you get in? Um, I think a wonderful place for people to start because it is the hugest wormhole of music that exists, which is exciting. Uh, I think a great place to start is by watching the documentary, A Long Strange Trip. And that just, you know, explains the start of the band. It explains the kind of where they were all coming from, what they were doing musically. Um, and also kind of all the people, the, the counterculture people that are involved in the beginning of it that are synthesizing LSD for the first time. Uh, you know, the the community of musicians that are around them in San Francisco. Your Timothy Leary's. And yeah, your, yeah. All these people. And, uh, it's, it's so fascinating. And I think that's a great way to start. I did see the, uh, the other, the other one, or yeah. the, that, that movie about, uh, Bob, is it Bob Weir? Yeah. Yeah. That was a great movie. Um, I, I want, I watched it when I was very high though. So I don't remember any of the music, but I remember liking it. But then I just, I don't remember like it, it it's funny because the Grateful Dead's iconography is obviously, you know, some of the most famous famous imagery of the second half of the 20th century. Like it is, it's everywhere. And it kind of, I, I almost assumed that they, before I heard their music, that they were uh, a hardcore band because of how well that skull uh, symbol fits in amongst like a crass symbol or a dead Kennedy symbol. I just assumed that it, I did, I didn't know they were from the sixties. Um, I think, uh, I think that's part of the difficulty of diving in with the band is because there's so much that surrounds it like that, like all the images, like the band, you know, if a band's lucky, most bands, maybe they have 
a good logo. You know, the Grateful Dead have like 10 yeah. iconic different logos. And so we, everyone has all these ideas about what it is. Like you said, you thought it was a hardcore band. I always imagined it sounded something like uh, Pink Floyd, like Pompeii stuff, mm. like really drugged outside. Yeah. Because of the uh, psychedelic movement that surrounds the band. Yeah. But yeah, it's really not, it's really not. I think, you know, I think a cool place to start is like right at the beginning, um, like Working Man's Dead is great. And it's just kind of very well-crafted 60s kind of folk tunes. Yeah. And then, you know, if you start feeling a bit of that, once you like it, you can start diving into the live stuff, which is just a universe the gift that itself. keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah. The bootleg, I mean, like, I, it doesn't sound like they're is a bigger bootleg community probably than the Grateful Dead bootleg community. Yeah, I want to say there's something like this. There's probably more than 4,000 recorded shows. That is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. There's so many a aspects of the band. I, I mean, I again, I, I can only probably name two or three songs by the band, but I, yet I know so much about their, or I can at least picture so much about the band, like the obviously the wall of sound stuff and their innov super innovative... Like that, it's it's the pretty much the coolest stage setup of all time. Uh, yeah, and which and also kind of a basis of modern touring production. Yeah, yeah. You know, like because I mean, you hear those stories about the Beatles playing at Shea Stadium and with AC thirties and yeah, I was just coming the through the the like announcer speakers. Yeah, and it was just the vocals, right? Yeah. So, like you know, no one was playing big gigs or doing it well, and then. Yeah, so like the dead were, yeah, I mean, pioneers like on that front. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just in a lot of different ways. And it's really interesting. How now, how did you kind of find the, the psychedel psychedelic music? Has it always been a part of your life or was it just, did, you, did it find you at the right time? I think it found me totally at the right time. Uh, I think like, well, not I think. Two years ago, I was like wildly depressed. And just felt like my life was kind of falling apart. And uh, I was just really struggling. And I could not listen to like punk or, or rap or anything really aggressive. Like I was just like, I can't, I can't pile on to the way I'm feeling Yeah. already. And I think that was around the time I kind of started listening to the dead. And it's just this incredible incredibly peaceful, like kind sounding music. Yeah. And so I think that's why I connected with it mm -hmm. at that time and kind of started diving in really deep. Uh, almost just, yeah, I don't know, protecting myself from more aggressive things. Yeah. were pushing me into a worse zone. You needed to reverse the inertia of, sure. of where you're heading. And, 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 and so do you remember the exact kind of point of entry of that you kind of had? Did you hear a song or did you just see it come up on Spotify one day and say, Hey, let's give it a spin or. I think I was trying to find my way into it. Yeah. So I was just yeah. kind of going through the different eras and they've got a song called shakedown street, which is almost like a bit of a disco song. Mm. And I was just like, this is mental. Yeah. And I think I just started listening to that on repeat and then yeah, just found my way in. That's awesome. It's it, it's always awesome when you you hear like uh when you're when you're kind of, when you when you're kind of in the pits at least with the current music that you're you've you're you're 
you've always listened to and it's just not quite doing it for you the same way as it has and you, you don't quite get the same hit of endorphins that you you need out of it and then you find a piece of music that um that almost like i don't know sometimes i sometimes i'll hear something where i'm like wait a second you're not allowed to do that in a song. <laughs> and that'll just blow my fucking mind and make me love music again. And yeah, you know, sure. make your hair stand on edge all over again. Like you're 14 listening to Nirvana, uh, in your, in your bedroom. Like, uh, but, uh, yeah, rock and roll rules. That's, uh, that's all we're trying to say, folks. That's all we're trying to say. Well, that's super cool that you found that at the right time. And so how did you, was it a kind of, quick transition to say i want to make music like this i think out of that same feeling of like struggling in my personal life i thought why don't i try and also write a record that is is nice mm. um and like focus my songwriting not on writing some heavy <laughs> tunes or or lyrics that are kind of bleak uh and yeah, try and make something that's nice as well. So I think those were two things that were going on simultaneously. And then, yeah, I mean, the last, there was probably about a year of trying to figure out how to do that. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, almost like kind of not getting it right. Mm -hmm. Like I tried to record the record in Halifax with Joel Plaskett. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I went out to At Scotland Yard. Yeah. I went out to Scotland wow. Yard with Joel and Joel was going to play guitar on it. And I brought some friends and we started doing it and I brought punks. Yeah. And it was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just like, this sounds like heavy Neil Young. Like yeah. this ain't it. Yeah. And Joel was just like, you know, after one of the days he's like, I don't know. This man. isn't it. Yeah. This isn't what you're trying to do. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a wonderful weekend of doing guitar solos with Joel. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. hanging out in Dartmouth. That sounds like a pretty goddamn good weekend It was me. great. Yeah. You know, and we like spun records and fucking ate oysters and it was cool. Yeah. But we got nothing done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, And uh, so, yeah, I was like kind of coming out of that and being like, okay, well, you know, how can I, like, how can I find the right drummer? And, mm -hmm. and how can I play differently to soften this stuff up? And, and, uh, and even in writing soft music, like some of it needs to be fuzzy and, and cut through and just, it was making a completely different record than I've ever made, mm. you know? And so, you know, kind of retooling the songs and then recording them out here in Ontario with Dan and Ian Romano. Mm. And, uh, yeah, really making it, it, it clicked yeah. when I did it with those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are definitely studio wizards in terms of getting cool sounds. And, you know, Dan, Dan in the studio is uh, a formidable beast in terms of his. Yeah. And just, I think they under, they understand all of the references. Yeah. They got it. They're also similarly like i don't think we've had a similar music trajectory but like probably my one of my first shows like dan's was doing one of dan's first shows like his high school punk band was playing and so was mine and mm -hmm. so i think uh you know he's done this crazy amount of music outside of all that but he also like knows all that stuff yeah and i think that's important yeah because it's not just you know like it's not just straight 
jam band stuff. No, no, no. You know, and so uh yeah, they were definitely the right guys to work with on it. And and then also just in the studio, uh understanding the references, but also knowing how to do it. Yeah, how to, to execute like, it. you know, to a point of, you know, like I remember there was this point when I was like, you know what's really cool is that, uh, or actually it was Pat. There's a guitar player from Montreal, Pat Bennett, that played on the record as well. Mm -hmm. um, he was the only punk that was left allowed to yeah, play on yeah. the record. And Pat was like, well, it would be great if we could do uh, like a kind of like Velvet Underground like bass line that like keeps cycling like the same riff like the whole time. And, uh, and then Dan was like, Oh, well, you know, what's great about that riff you're talking about is like, there's a third plate on every note. And, and we're like, okay, so not only like, do you know the exact reference? Yeah. Um, but you also know how it was recorded. Yes. And so there was a, I think Dan brought that to the record a lot. Yeah. A lot of, uh, just a lot of being able to, you know, pull things from the ether and actually execute them for sure. You know, obscure references too. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I, I've always been in awe of everything that those guys are able to, to lay down. Dan has made some wild sounding records during the course of this. Uh, wild. Yeah. In the, in the, in the, with a capital W. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that is awesome. And I, again, like, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad you point that out for people that haven't checked, checked out Doom's Children yet. Um, it's fucking awesome, but you know what you said too about you know keeping the psychedelia, but also you know having still you you're, you're you still have one foot in the gutter. Like it's sure. still you know it's still still rock and roll. You know, sure it all is. Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, I mean certain songs go off on a tangent, but they're all songs I wrote on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, that can all be like stripped down to that. Have you ever done that before? Written a record on an acoustic guitar and. I tried to when I wrote the first Black Lungs record, yeah. um, but I think waiting too long to put it out and probably a lack of self-confidence in knowing what I wanted it to be. Was that Pagan Holiday? No, I, there's one called Send Flowers Okay, that I wrote that was... Um, it sounded like a Billy Bragg record oh, wow. when I made it. And then I just kept adding stuff because I was like, what is this? Need yeah, yeah, this yeah. or this? Like I sat on the record for two years while Alexis toured and, you know, was like adding trombones by the end. And like I I knew what I wanted this to be. Yeah. Very much. Yes. This was a this was a very it very deliberate kind of Big uh, time. Yeah. It feels so it must feel so good to be able to you know, you know, you obviously you had a, a first kind of attempt with Joel and uh, out out east to add it, but to get to just like have a very focused vision with a kind of a revised plan and, and execute it and it come off so well, that's got to feel great. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's cool. Like the one song's out, there'll be another one coming out and uh, hopefully within the next like three weeks and um, just like putting out songs all summer. Hell yeah. Before the full length comes out. But um you know, I mean, it's so far away from a lot of stuff I've done that I've no, I feel like at this point, you know, I, I feel like I know so much about music and I know nothing at all about it. So I was just like, I don't know. I like this. Does anybody give a fuck about this at all? Like, is just just an insane record for me to put out? Is this the most self-serving thing ever? And uh, people seem to be like really connecting with it, which is really cool. And maybe it just comes down to honesty 
You know, like it's just like a really personal record and maybe that's what people are fucking with. Yeah. And the lyrics are great and very, you know, even, even, um, flower moon lyrics are super clear and I, it's, almost classic, like almost like Almond Brothers lyrics to start it off, which I, I love the Almond Brothers, which is oh, weird man, that I've the, never been able the to get. I've never been able to get, I have not yet uh, tried the Grateful Dead really in earnest, but I am a big Almond Brothers guy, which is strange. But um, the, uh, yeah, it just, it's a good, like it just, it you feel like you're riding a Harley in a moonlit desert, dude. Like oh, it's dude. a great song. It's a great vibe. It's the best. I really like riding my motorcycle listening to the Allman Brothers. Okay. <laughs> and uh, every time I do it, yeah. I'm just like, man, people have been doing this for like 40 years. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I do, I'm just like, I'm like listening to whipping posts, yeah. riding my bike, and I'm like, man... People have been doing this exact yeah. thing yeah. for so long. It makes me so fucking happy. Yeah. <laughs> you're just you're just you're just paying it for, you're keeping it alive, you know? <laughs> you're keeping it alive. Yeah. Well, that's super cool, man. I mean, like, was it like in the way that you're kind of describing it, it sounds like it was it was a fun place to be also because like there was no expectations and like, you know, have it, you know, you you've been associated with other, you know huge projects where there's different types of expectations and things around them. And this sounds like just such a pure, I'm feeling this in the moment I'm doing it. And now it's coming out. That is maybe, uh, it's, it's less constrained by the baggage that maybe some of the other more bigger projects that you have to work on. Is that a fair assessment? I'd say so. I mean, you know, there's, if you're lucky enough for people to care about the music you're making, the more music you make, it creates walls yeah. around it, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think uh, Alexis did a good job of of continuing to grow as a band and kind of like knocking that stuff down. And, uh, but certainly like when I, when I joined Gallows, I was like, there's rules yeah, man. for this. Like, yeah. and I mean, a lot of them were self-imposed, mm -hmm. but I was like, you know, when we made that first record, I was like, this needs to just be like a violent shot yeah. of energy. Like it needs Come to, swinging, it yeah. needs to be that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'm glad we did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but that being said, it's, it's a nicer place to be when you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, like there was a little bit more like, like this is a thing that happened when we made the Dooms Kids record. Like, you know, like I left to get everyone lunch and I came back and Dan recorded all these like David Bowie, like ooze in the chorus and played like a wine bottle, like a, like a percussion instrument and played it back for me. And I was like, he's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, it's the best. Now here's your egg salad sandwich. <laughs> and uh, like that definitely wasn't happening on the Gallows record. There was no, no egg salad. No. There was no <laughs> Bowie ooze, you know? No wine bottles No slide. wine bottles played. No. Smashed. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So that's a nice place to be. Yeah. That sounds like a, it, that sounds like a, just a, a jolly old time making that record, eh? Or the uh, the Dooms Children one. Yeah, it was good, man. Like we recorded it in a house. Yeah. And just uh, and you know trying to make it one of the things I said about trying to find 
the way to make it sound like I wanted to, like the records I love from the 60s and the 70s. Um, so we just played it. You know, the songs are four of us playing together. You know, we track the solos afterwards. Did you track all the bed tracks together? All the bed, bed tracks are recorded together. Awesome. And then we do the solos and we just like, very casually, I'd be like, I'm going to take one. And then we'd be like, cool. Like we do it once. Yeah. And then I was like, Dan, can you do something that kind of like rips in and out of that? And he's like, I don't know, something like, like this. Yeah. And I'd be like, that's it. And so, and similarly with the vocals, um, I didn't refine everything. I didn't try and like, when my voice kind of goes to nothing, you know, or like I lost a word or it was a little bit pitchy. I was just like, well, that's the way I sing. So that's the way it is. And all of those decisions over the course of making the record are what makes it sound the way it does mm. and makes it probably sound closer to the records that I love. Yeah, you for know? sure. So, but I mean, that's a new thing in itself, yeah. having the restraint to not fix it. Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that takes time as like we, before we started rolling, we were talking about like the, you know, that there is no one way to make a record and that like at different times in your musical arc, you have different, you know, approaches to things. And I think it's easy to fall into or get attracted to the mentality of like trying to punish imperfections into, uh, chasing perfection basically and and it really really in retrospect uh having a, a a serious point of diminishing returns you know sure you know and i mean you can go pretty far with that idea oh, and i man. think we we like we went very far away from that on this doom children record um you know to a point where it's like some of the solos are like there's some wild notes yeah and then like you know, I know Dan was like, what about that? Like where it went super major. And I was like, what are notes? Yeah. And we were just like, <laughs> what are notes? What are notes, dude? Dude, threw the theory out the window. I love what it. What are notes? Dude, they're nothing. It's nothing. It's just vibrations, man. We're all just vibrations. Um, I was just pointing at the camera. That was <laughs> the camera. I was like, it's like, is Ross here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish he was, but, um, oh yeah, I was going to say there was, um, like when, uh, when we're playing music, uh, speaking of Ross, uh, as the nil and we're playing in the basement. And if I play any kind of chord that isn't a major or maybe a minor, I call it a sus chord. Cause it sounds pretty suspect. <laughs> it's great. I hate theory. <laughs> Don't be like me. If you learn theory, your life will probably be better. But yeah, it might be better, right? Yeah, it probably. I think at this point for us, we need to convince <laughs> ourselves that it's like, it's a good idea not knowing it. Yeah, it keeps you know? me free, you know, but yeah. at the same time, I only know how to play this. <laughs> I'm like, it's good. I don't know how to sing at all, yeah. you know? Yeah. I went to a vocal coach once <laughs> to learn, not a vocal coach, like uh, someone to check my vocal cords because mm -hmm. they got really fucked up. And the guy comes back in after, you know, he did all the tests and he's like, you don't know how to sing. He's like, you don't, you don't even know how to talk. <laughs> don't know how to breathe. And I was like, whoa, whoa. You know, and then he like listed off something like, he's like, get up, immediately warm up your voice before speaking. No tea, no coffee, no smoking, no dairy. Like he keeps going. I'm just like, I was like, 
okay, um, I'm not Celine Dion yeah. and I'm not going to do any of this. <laughs> so could you just maybe, what's like one thing? Yeah. You know? Pick the top one. He's just like, no, Darian. I was like, it's just pass. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> Oh my God. That's you don't know what he's like. You don't even know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's one of the greatest stories of all time about singing. I have to say, I, I had Ross told me that one. I think he told, you told him it during the, when you guys were making that single mother's record, but that is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> Sorry. Might have to cut here for a second while I te- clear my tears. Anyways, on that note, um, <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Alexis because I have some I have some super just kind of like basic questions that I have grappled with since I have had my own uh, band that I play in. And I, I just, what are the basic mechanics of operating within a band that has three front men? A lot of cooks in the kitchen. A lot of cooks. Got a, a couple sauciers. Well, <laughs> I think the basic... Mechanics of it have continued to change yeah. over time. And the better it gets musically and the better it gets for writing is us all knowing when to get out of the way. Yeah. So like, and I mean, that just happens over our discography. Mm-hmm. It's like the first record is George, Dal and I all coming from bands where we were doing being the front man of the band. And uh, so we're all doing it at the same time on the yeah. first record. And it's a wild mix of things. And then I think, yeah, over time, you know, maybe the second record, and I've been on the first record, also as the first time down, I really played with another guitar player and realized mm. what we could do with another guitar going on. Mm. So there's like, we're both the lead guitar player yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And so that was a thing I think after a while we like tried to move away from. And, uh, and also just, you know, after playing all the notes um, on the first couple of records, we're like, <laughs> I was like, what I really like is like s- smaller melodic lead stuff. Like that's cool. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I think over the course of the, the band's life has just been, Figuring out how to get out of the way, yeah. And knowing when we should do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I. I. I mean, it just. It's always kind of struck me as um, a very mysterious uh, balance that you guys have been able to strike between uh, arranging your songs in a way that. Um, you know, you you guys have some very interesting arrangements, particularly on the first couple records that I just, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in the jam space or however you guys got those songs together in, in terms of how you negotiated what was going to go where because it's very, very... I had never heard anything like it when it came out and I'll, <clears throat> I'll never forget hearing your band on Much Music and the edge and just being like, this is crazy. I can't believe such heavy music is playing on the edge. And it was, it was definitely a a very interesting time in Canadian music. Um, But uh, yeah, the first thing I was struck by, even when I was like 12, 13 years old, 
uh, was how do you make music like this? I don't understand. Like it's so intense and there's everything's firing and you know, it was just, I, I'd never heard anything like it, but, um, yeah, I, I was just kind of curious. That's a, that's a pretty comprehensive, um, description of how you are able to navigate potentially very, you know, I think we always waters. kind of tried to do, and I mean, this is just the general thing with the band kind of counterintuitive things, you know, the thing that would be obvious, we would probably try and do the opposite of it. Mm. So, I mean, even just as, you know, it started to, you know, Dal's voice like got stronger, obviously, the more he sang and he became the singer that he's become, uh, the prime minister of folk music in Canada, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so I think there would have been an obvious point for us to just go like, We'll just get Dal to sing all the time, which is why we never worked with producers. Yeah. Because anytime a big producer would be in the mix, he'd be like, yeah, you know what I'm thinking? Have the guy that sings really, really good sing a lot more. Yeah. How about that? I'm, here's what I'm thinking. And we're like, yeah, that's not what we're doing. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, you know, maybe trying to flip that. Yeah. In the, in the in the right, in the structuring of the songs. And yeah. Being like, well, yeah, it'd be pretty obvious if like, Dal jumped in with a big melodic thing here. So like, let's not do that. Yeah. Interesting. Like I can, I can only imagine the kind of pressure that you guys face, like, you know, especially like a couple records in and as you know, things were continuing to build and that pressure that I remember, you know, this is a bit of a, this is a bit of a sidestep, but, um, your dad was my orthodontist. Sick. Gave him a braces. Thanks again. Uh, but uh, I was talking to him when I was like, you know, 14 years old. And I was like, you know, you're Wade's dad. Oh my God. And he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. My son plays guitar in that band. And I remember your dad even telling me then during the first consultation, he's like, yeah, I mean, they, the, they, the, uh, the record guy said to them, like, I've never heard such a melodic band in my whole life, but why do they have to be so screamy at the same time, and make all that racket. And I remember even just recognizing, even being 14, getting my braces put on, like this band's under external pressure to change immediately. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing we're so stubborn. Yeah. And I honestly don't feel like we, I don't think we felt the pressure of it. I think we were so wrapped up in it, like just wrapped up in being a band, playing shows all the time. And things like jumped, like things when they started to connect, like connected pretty quick. Yeah. But we were working so much. I don't think we ever stepped back to to go like, oh, like, what can we do here? Or like, we were very focused and we worked very hard yeah. and wanted to like grow the band. But I don't think our goals were ever growing the band in a way that wasn't, let's get better live and let's make better records. Yeah. And that was like the singular focus of everything we were trying to do. Yeah. And uh, so it's, I don't know, if I, I'm glad those ideas weren't in our minds yeah. when we were writing tunes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. You never know. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, you know, when John Feldman was like, listen, you guys got to come to LA. You got to do this. Got to be around yeah. the right people. Got to write the right songs. Got to yeah. wear the right clothes. Like said all this stuff. We're like, what? He was probably right. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we were just like, nah, no, 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 no. Yeah. Everything you have described is what we do not want to do right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could have been to uh to a fault in some respects, like us trying to do the antithesis of everything all the time. A funny thing that got brought up, like, you know, we were talking, but we're like, we're not fucking doing that. Like with some new stuff we're doing. And then our, our manager brought up about like, maybe it was crisis at the time. And he's like, well, remember when crisis could have come out like as guitar hero, like the full record like on Guitar Hero as the video game. And you guys were like, no fucking, no way we're doing that. That's <laughs> stupid. And I was like, I was like, is that a thing we turned down? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's a thing you turned down. I was like, oh, big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a dinger, man. Yeah, it's a good one. Eh? Oh, that is a good one. Man. Yeah, it's a good yeah. one. Oh, dude. Well, I mean, I think the. I mean, I would say that out of everyone that I've had the, the, you know, the honor and the privilege of speaking to in the world of, you know, rock and roll, that the vast majority of, of, of people have the same kind of story of, of resisting external pressure and doing what they want, even if it comes at a fault. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to live with the art you made and the stuff that you did and it, you, you wouldn't feel good if, if some schmoozer talked to you into uh, an Abercrombie and Fitch uh, ad. No, and, for sure, man. You know, like, even if it made you a million bucks. We're very lucky that you and me get to play guitar for a living. Yeah. And it's something I take very seriously, especially in a, in the way of uh, like people are listening and not just like, is nuts. It's nuts, but it's really important that like, well, what do I do with that? Yeah. And the world doesn't need any more fake love songs. Mm. The world doesn't need any more formulaic shit. No. And so like, if we're like put on, like I want Alexis to do something weird. Mm -hmm. I want us to do something that is different mm -hmm. that maybe exposes people to a different way of thinking, a different style of music, Something, something different. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the things that I'm the most proud about, about the stuff we've done is being able to, when things became larger for us, it just allowed us to go like, well, we don't need to compromise on anything. Yeah. And we can bring whoever we want yeah. on the road with us. And like, you know, and just like stuff like that, we're like, you know, and we started listening to you guys and we're like, great. Like, just like, let's bring him to Australia, <laughs> you know, like we get to do shit like that. Yeah. You know, thank and you again for bringing for us. For sure. It was great. Um, but then yeah, for maybe Alexis to be a gateway for people to find out about more heavy records or different records or different subcultures, you know, it's, there was always a funny thing. I think, I think for a long time, maybe I associated the band having commercial success to like that being a weird thing. Mm -hmm. That's a weird thing for anybody that I think comes from punk. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I think after a while I realized that the, 
the guys that have like the tragedy back patches on their coats weren't giving me the cut eye. No. At the show, they're like, usually one of those guys would come over and be like, yo, man, the first record. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're not mad. Yeah. You're not mad at all. You're just no. like, you're really crusty and you saw us in 2003. Yeah. One, how wonderful is that? Yeah. Yeah. They just have this one thing. They, they have this like, I mean, that's, that's. That was like an entry point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the other thing about like, I mean, the t I guess one of the tougher aspects of rock and roll and rock and roll culture is that, you know, people really fall in love with like sometimes a particular like a moment in time and they hate watching a bit like things change and they or, or they don't like watching it get bigger or whatever it is you know and it's there's a lot of those along the way right yeah like, i'm sure there's you know there's a million different steps of it um like and i'm sure you guys had it like the people that were like oh man i remember seeing them play house shows yeah and then when it's like oh when i first got into them like they're playing small bars there's people that's that won't that say we stopped being cool when we started using tuners on stage <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah but yeah. i mean like there's people that couldn't be like you know oh man i saw alexis play like like i liked it when they were playing at squats yeah. in upstate New York. Yeah. Like when they were playing at punk houses or like, or, oh, it's, it sucks as bands on the radio now. I remember seeing them at an abandoned marina in Barrie, Ontario. <laughs> an abandoned <laughs> marina? So, you know, maybe you're not stoked on the amphitheater shows yeah. if you were at the abandoned marina show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the abandoned marina for a second. I, would, I was about to ask. So, Please elaborate. So, this was like when the band started, I was booking all of our shows. Okay. And, uh, with like a Hotmail account? With like a Hotmail account yeah. and maybe some ICQ. Yeah, okay. And uh, so I was putting on punk shows in St. Catharines and bringing bands through and and then just trying to, you know, link up with bands around mm -hmm. Southern Ontario. and Network. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, do the thing. And so remember the Barry show? We were playing at a band's jam space. Okay. They are going to throw a show and they're like, it's, it's cool. We'll like have a party and we practice there and whatever and we're just like driving into the woods right and so we're driving there and so everyone's like fuck wait like what is this show like what the fuck so we get there and it's just like a dilapidated building by the water and they're like well go in wade see what's see when we're loading in you know like fucking idiot and then we got there and it was like it was like one of the kids dad's like a marina that was like <laughs> fallen in disrepair and they rehearsed there. And um, the floor that we played on was like almost like caving in. Yeah. And uh, it was the best. Yeah. Like, like uh, it was just a, it was a party. They threw a party at this abandoned spot and we were like right by the water. And it was, it was a great one. Oh. You know, everyone like, um, you know, we got back in the van. I was like, okay. Hey, right. Yeah. Right. And they're like, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Sometimes it's those ones that work out to be like oh, dude, the, the, the best. best ones. Right. Yeah. Like that. We played a, like around this time we, we played a barn in Uxbridge, Ontario. Oh, wow. Like, Bunch. like legit, like on a, like on dirt. Yeah. <laughs> like with like, I could see a cow yeah. and I was with like, an eyesight. and I was like, is that cool? Should that cow be here? Yeah. And the promoter was like, cow's here for all the shows. Don't worry about it. 
It's like, I am. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. He likes it. It's all good. It's like, <laughs> no, nah, he's cool. Yeah. He's, he's chill. Don't worry. It's like that one, there's that one photo that's all like kind of always used on that like band memes page or all those funny Instagram pages about rock and roll but it's like a bunch of guys that like i think it must be like an early 2000s new metal show and there's like a goat oh like, grindcore goat yeah that's yeah, yeah. never mind grindcore, incredible yes incredible yeah yeah <laughs> that must have been i don't it. know why i think it's a grindcore show yeah <laughs> i feel like it's in like slovenia too yeah these could be all things i'm just imagining yeah but i like the picture you're painting it, yeah it, it sounds believable slovenia sounds like a very believable place where that concert was held you guys ever play any shows or with dogs in attendance we um we've had some dogs running around some house parties once or twice we we were the house party or the house band at guelph university uh for a few years about 10 years ago it's kind of where we would it's kind of where we kind of cut our, our our teeth a bit and learn we just learn a bunch of covers and stuff and like we'd play everything from like uh we'd learn like steppenwolf songs <laughs> and like and then like uh i don't even like we were just playing weird obscure like we were playing like link ray stuff and like fucking up young also and like we were we, it would have been people like know, oh my god band man, uh, think they'll do sublime yeah. <laughs> think these guys are gonna do santeria yeah. yeah probably yeah link ray also yeah no tuners <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah incredible playing for playing for it, it would always be like it would always be like well you guys can play we'd love you to play we can't like we can't pay you but we do have a keg and as long as you guys don't go crazy, <laughs> y'all can sip from the keg. And uh, anyways, that was, I mean, that was good enough for us. We just wanted to play. But uh, we, we have the same PA system still as a band that we, we started the band with. The thing is, it's like a, it looks like it's made it through a war, but I don't know why I thought about that. It's we had a still lot of have, there was like the, the punk bar in St. Catharines yeah. was the Mind Bomb. Okay. And it's like, I played like... But that was like the first actual bar I played, you know, and and Dow was playing shows there and stuff. And we've got the Mind Bombs PA. Wow. Yeah. That is sick. I don't know how. You just, I don't know. You inherit these things, you yeah. know. It's, a, it's, it's not really history. loud enough. No. <laughs> just year 20 of the band. Yeah, you just Not kinda, a loud enough PA. Yeah, you just kind of grow complacent. Like Every once in a while I go to a band's place and I'm just like... <laughs> You can. I I've forgotten that you could rehearse in nice conditions. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Why to. haven't I done? Why? Why aren't I doing that? <laughs> yeah, I've just grown to accept that like our PA system is like like only two of the channels <laughs> work and shit. It's got like out of sixteen knobs, maybe two left on it. We're at like, year twenty, and George has got like a really short mic cable. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to stand really close. He's got to stand real close to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not too close or it'll feed back. Like yeah, you right unplug. As soon as the song's done, unplug the mic. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, kid, a homemade kill switch on the mic. Yeah. yeah. Happy 19th birthday yeah. to the band. Yeah. I get George a slightly longer mic game. Yeah, and a karaoke mic. Yeah. We used to practice also before we had... Uh, we we had we had purchased the or rented from the good folks at Long McQuaid, uh, the the head and the speakers, uh, but we had two mics from Radio Shack. 
taped to a hockey stick in two bins full of Lego. Like that's how we <laughs> That's how the, the pros do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh that was some uh that was some magic right there. That was uh yeah. Still have those bins, man. Anyways. Yeah, it, it's I just I, I agree with you though. Sometimes you see people's PA systems and you're like, wow, like you guys have I, I forgot that you can also invest in a PA. It, it doesn't have to be garbage, but here we are with our garbage PA. We we actually shared a, a jam space with the Arkells uh, about seven years ago. Um, they they very kindly said, you know what, you guys, you know, Hamilton band, you guys can share this space with us. And um, I don't think they were rehearsing very often, and we were um, we were using it all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had definitely kind of like encroached and kind of like claimed that territory with just like garbage everywhere <laughs> and uh and uh using their equipment and uh to this to the they, they eventually kind of passive aggressively led or left the place because we had uh uh, kind of took taken over it too much, and I, again, I we we were definitely the assholes in this situation. So apologies, the Arkells. But um, to this day, once in a while, <laughs> I'll look over and see like a little like Arkell stencil on some of our equipment <laughs> that I guess we accidentally uh, lifted from. There's uh, no way the Arkells have a shitty jam space. No, I don't think so anymore. No. They got like a soda stream. Yeah, I'm sure. For they sure. Do. Yeah. Like Multiple one of those new flavors. Ones. Yeah, like a digital. They got flavors. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. They got flavors for sure. They got flavors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they got flavors. Yeah. Bubbly. Name brand. No, but uh, <clears throat> that is that is fucking hilarious. It's good to compare bad jam spaces. Are there any other kind of mat like hilarious? early are uh uh alexis on fire gigs that come to mind or like like you guys did the warp tour too like yeah i mean that's not hilarious uh, it's like, not I, it's like a big guy punching you in the stomach repeatedly yeah, it's the dark um, the dark carnival so dark um yeah i mean there's a lot of funny it's a lot of funny stuff like i remember we played this uh and this is just bizarre we played this show in like Texas and uh, there was these like, m- these like Mexican skinhead guys like, and they were like, we finished our first song and they were like, play screwdriver. And they were just like, he like at between all of our songs, like demanding screwdriver songs. And I was like, it's really this weird, up. really weird. These Spanish guys want to hear white power music. Yeah. Also, what are skinheads doing at this show? Yeah. I feel like, you know, I mean, just like you see us, see, see an actual racist skinhead guy is like seeing a unicorn. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe they're making a bit of a comeback. I, yeah. But uh, it was just like, that was very weird. I guess that's not very funny. It's not very lighthearted. But it, it's it was, remarkable. It's very fucking odd. Yeah, that is weird. It's, uh, yeah, you get, you, when you, when you're playing in the punk clubs, uh, all around, especially the United States, you definitely encounter some interesting, uh, cross sections of the country <laughs> <laughs> to, to put it as diplomatically as possible. But, um, 
what was like i know I mean, you there's got to be some more lighthearted stories that aren't coming to mind right now that any any good like tour pranks like i know that's like a kind of standard question but i feel like we didn't like fuck around with that stuff too much no like i don't really really like it yeah you know like being sabotaged on stage yeah. is not the funnest in the world is it i guess like on a very early tour we're on tour with this band called remembering never from florida which was kind of like mosh metal band i forget what they did to start to start it okay. something happened they were we were driving they drove by us they started throwing stuff at us on the highway okay on the way to the gig <laughs> okay they're like a vegan band. Um, when they came out after their show, just hamburgers <laughs> all on their, the windshield of their van. And they're like, okay. Okay. So then we, we go inside and play. We come out. So they got a kid from the show to take a shit. <laughs> On our fucking windshield. Maybe this is why I don't like pranks. This escalated so quick. And we were just like, too much. Yeah. And then we were just like, we're like, who did you get to do that? And they pointed the kid out and we were just like, this is over. Guys. Yeah, this is and, But I remember playing there again because this was in Fall River, Massachusetts. Okay. At the Police Athletic League. Okay. She used to do hardcore shows. What? And uh, so the, we were back there. We were playing with Bane. Okay. And it was like outside of Boston. So it was fucking Huge psycho. Show. Yeah. Um, you know, like the band's just like getting knocked over. Like they're yeah. completely in a circle of people. And I remember they started playing and I was like, oh my God, it's that fucking guy. That shit on our fucking van. I see him right away. Right. And like, he's like getting in the pit <laughs> and some guy fucking Spin kicked him in the face so fucking hard, his fucking face exploded, right? <laughs> and then I, like, this is like five minutes later, I'm in the washroom and a guy comes in with his like all fucked up face and he's like, oh, like scrambling. He's like, he's like, obviously doesn't realize it's the guy from the band who he shit on the van. <laughs> And he's like looking for a towel or whatever. And he's just like, he's like, oh my God, like freeze, like, can you give me a towel or like some toilet paper? like freaking out. And I was just like, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. Oh. Full circle pranks. <laughs> I think that has to be one of the greatest tour stories I've ever heard. I honestly, I, I was like, when, as soon as I saw him, I was like, no fucking way. And then he got kicked <laughs> in the face and I was like, no fucking way. And then he came up to me. I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> uh, so maybe the pranks just got just very harsh. Yeah. <laughs> right away. And we just like steered clear of them for the rest of our career. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. An early experience that, like that will definitely kind of sour you to the whole. <laughs> right Turn to the you. shit? Not lighthearted at all. <laughs> no steps in between. No. Hamburgers, feces. Okay. Oh. Yeah. That's where we're going. Damn, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, damn. I don't even know where to go from there. There's that's just so much of that stuff, though. And I think, you know, it's like I've got to be around one of the dudes from Alexis or like somebody we played with almost like kickstart 
the thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like to remember. Yeah. Like the absurd thing. You yeah. Know? Like someone asked me about George wearing short shorts. Yeah. Like which George did for a long time. George just started wearing like really small denim shorts. Mm -hmm. And that was it when we yeah. were playing in Chucks. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's actually because we were playing in Connecticut. We we're playing this outdoor show. And there was like this big list of rules. And it was like, no gang colors, no smoking, no like all this list of things, like no weapons, all this stuff that there should be no's yeah, yeah. at the show. And then the bottom one was like no short shorts. And so just being an asshole, George just like cut his jeans off into like the shortest <laughs> shorts when we played that night. And uh, Bam Margera was there for some reason. <laughs> and he was like, that's really funny. Do you guys want to come back and party at my house? And then we did. Wow. And Rusty from H2O drove our bus because the bus driver was sleeping. So just a guy on the tour <laughs> drove our bus to Bam Margera's house. And I think we got the invite because of the short shorts. Oh my God. That is so dangerous driving the old tour bus with the. That's uh, insane. <laughs> it's insane. In where, Connecticut? Just a guy, just. I don't, Who knows? Who knows, Connecticut? Yeah. 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 Wow. That is a good one. Yeah. And then he just proceeds to wear short shorts for like four years. That just became the Because thing. of that venue? Yeah. And Bam's encouragement. Yeah. that That's all, like being forbidden to do it. And then the positive reinforcement <laughs> of Bam Margera <laughs> telling you to do it. That's, that's all you need. Yeah. yeah I think that's it. That's that all you seals need. it. Yeah. yeah. That is funny. So there's like so much of that shit where I just feel like it's, you know, I, someone's got to be like, do you remember when... And then it's, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny. Like when, I, when I, when we, we just, we put out a record at the beginning of this year and you know, a lot of the end questions, um, after it gets past the record questions is like any funny tour stories. And my mind is like just a blank. It's yeah. like, I have been playing, I've played a, f a fucking quadrillion shows. I can't remember. Like, and then like, I'll be with Kyle or Ross and then it's just like, oh yeah. Then just a million, you know, it's it's weird. It, it it's funny how like there's so many memories that they all try and come out of my brain at once, and nothing can get out. Like, but uh, I just need one other person who was there. Yeah. And then I can tell you where I was on what day, basically. But yeah, it's it's gotta something's gotta jog it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we were like we were practicing the other day and drinking coffee is new for Dell. Oh, really? And uh, that made me think of like us doing night drives in the van and he would always drive and he would drink those five hour energy things. Oh. And he'd be like, literally talking to me like he was on speed. And he'd be like, <laughs> I'd be in the front seat. And he'd be like, the great thing about these is, you know, there's no caffeine. So it's like, it's not, <laughs> it's not like I'm drinking coffee. You know, it's no big deal at all. It's like, if you see it on the thing, it's all natural. So it's, we're good. <laughs> oh, we're like, solid. Yeah. So like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are driving. Everything's good. Yeah. I am not driving. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Natural. Get us to Fort Worth, Texas, Dal. <laughs> this little vial of like <laughs> <laughs> it's a vial of fucking poison syrup <laughs> to drive you across Texas all night. <laughs> Oh my God. We, we, we were in, we were playing with flag 
in uh, in Florida, okay. and we had we had some gig that we had to get back for in Ontario. Like we finished, we like had the weirdest interaction with Keith Morris ever. Like the first <laughs> time, like 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 we spent a whole tour together with him, and like he barely talked until the last day. And tell me, you, tell me your weird experience. Okay, well we I and I'll draw. I'll drop another one. Okay, to okay, about. we'll go toe to toe with Keith Morris. But like the the first time I had a weird experience with him, it was in. Charleston, North or South Carolina. I can't, I can never remember, but we're backstage and, uh, <clears throat> and Des Kadena is doing his warm ups and Steven Egerton, he's doing his warm ups and Chuck Dukowski's kind of just staring in the mirror and just kind of like getting himself in the zone and Bill's just like kind of getting his wrist warmed up. And I look over at, um, at uh keith and keith stops me because we're coming off the stage he's just like hey man do you warm up man and i'm like not really no man and he's just like well here's what you gotta do man and i'm like is anybody else saying this shit like he's just like going like this and he's like you gotta get the germs off man and just like he just starts going i can't even describe what he was doing but just and I, I started doing it with him because it's Keith Morris. Like, what else are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You're gonna do this with Keith Morris standing there, and somebody walked by and just thought, like, you know, had the craziest look on their face. But after that, Keith was like, "Okay, I can talk to this guy." And so, I, me and Keith were sitting in the in the backstage area at the next show in Florida, and uh, it was just me and him and that Martin Scorsese Shine a Light Stones concert documentaries on, and I was like. Like he's, do you like the stones? He's like, I fucking love the stones. And then we kind of went off on the stones. And like, after that, we were cool. But uh, the weird story <clears throat> was that he was- The uh, first one wasn't the weird story? Th that was the intro to the weird story. The, it, the weird story was like, I went on their tour bus to get something. Uh, Des was showing me something. And uh, I saw what I thought was- uh, uh, like a like a, a squirrel or something at the bottom of the bunk. I was like, hey, what's that? And uh, then an arm came from the top bunk and reached down and grabbed what I thought was a squirrel. Turned out to be one of the Keith's dreads and just oh. pulled it back up into the bunk. Ooh. Yeah. It so was that a, was him pulling his a own dread, dread out. Yeah, dread fell out during the night. and uh, Alarming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. That Very was alarming. I still, I cold shudder runs through my body when I think about that dread. I thought it was, I thought it was an animal. I swear to God. Pretty much is. Yeah. Pretty much is alive. Yeah. That's my key story. What do you got? Played a show. Black Lungs played a show with them in one or a few shows with, I guess, Flag? Or maybe the one he was doing before that. Was it the one with Dimitri? The, there was uh, Off? Off. It was with Off. Yeah. Okay. So we played like the Ontario shows and Quebec shows. Cool. And uh, in Montreal, we did a gun club cover. Oh, cool. And we came off stage and we talked to him in Toronto and not much. And then he came into our dressing room like after the Montreal gig and he was like, that gun club cover is so cool, man. And then he was just like launched into this thing where he was like, you know, it reminded me of... Uh, I used to work at this fishing store with Bill Stevenson and we'd like listen to the radio all day at this fishing store. And then just went into this deep story about the radio at this fishing store. And like 
our bass player, Phil, was kind of like getting the most of it. Yeah. And the rest of us just kind of would just like Mysterioed out of there. Yeah. just And Phil was just like crushed and yeah. trapped. Yeah. He got punished. Yeah. He really got punished. It, and uh, it just went so quickly from a like, we're like, oh, he's going to drop like a Jeffrey Lee Pierce story on yeah. us right now. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. No, he's going to go. He's going to go for a while. Yeah, that was that was one of the things about the flag. The that was one of my favorite things about the flag tour is that we, I, it was like I mean all the guys are like just complete legends. It was an amazing thing to be on that tour, but there was always a point where, um, in retrospect, you start kind of started getting punished by your heroes, which is just a strange experience where you're like, I really look up to this person, but. I don't know when this conversation is going to end and I, I have somewhere to be and I don't know how to exit it without looking like a dick. Like, uh, it was just kind of a, it was a tough. Well, it's an, it's an odd thing. I mean, what just, you know, you meet anyone that you feel like you have a relationship with yeah, you've heard- because you've been listening to them for so yeah. long, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's disappointing to find other normal humans. Sometimes. It is. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, uh, not disappointing. Like, I mean, just like, well, you just get into odd situations. Get into odd situations. You get into odd situations. Like the first time, like we did some shows, Bill Stevenson was in a band called Only Crime. Yeah. And like, I was just like, I can't believe I get to see him drum. Oh yeah. What a every treat. Night. And uh, I like walked up into the dressing room the first day and he was just like, like many clubs in America, you know, just no door on the toilet. And just like my first interaction <laughs> with Bill, just like Bill taking a shit, no door, me walking in the dressing room, being like, "Hey," and he's like, "Hey, I'm Bill. <laughs> nice to meet you. This tour is gonna be fun." I was like, "Here we go. <laughs> Here we go, is right. Here we go." <laughs> oh man, I I have I have I just remembered one more Keith story. Him 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 talking about uh opening for uh the cramps in LA uh with uh circle jerks and he was talking about how he um how like how his guitar player broke a string and there was a guy with a spotlight and so the guitar player had to restring the guitar on stage i guess this is this is before the days of having two guitars uh so uh the guitar player is restringing and the uh Keith made the spotlight guy uh go on the guy stringing the guitar and uh, was berating his own guitar player while he's restringing the guitar, which is just a strange story to tell, I would say, uh, to kind of uh, bring that up. But then later that night, it was the final show of the tour. And like he had been going off on very unpredictable rants in between songs. And um, everyone had, would Steven, who was doing an amazing job replicating Greg Ginn's stuff and, uh, would would just kind of wait until Keith was, was done and then start the next song or whatever. And there had reached a bit of a like a, a tipping point that night where Keith was just like on this rant. He's like, and then this thing happened and then this thing happened and then everyone's just kind of like, everyone, people are starting to, and then he just keeps going and he's and another thing. And then Stephen, Stephen goes, all right, and then clicks on the <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the funnier things I've ever seen. And I was actually, it was the last show of the tour. 
and uh, or one of the last shows of the tour, and I was standing next to Ian Mackay, and we were watching this happen, and I was just like, this this is a surreal moment. I'm wa- watching uh, Keith Morris get the cane from uh, from his own guitar. <laughs> You know what? I'd like like to tie a bow on all this Keith Morris stuff. Wouldn't it be really disappointing if we didn't have any Keith Morris stories? Oh my god! You know, yeah. if you just met him and you're like, "What well, was Keith Morris he was like?" Just he, was chill. A, he was like super quiet guy. Yeah, yeah, he was really chill. He was just you know that would be horrible. Meditating and you know did some yoga and then went on stage. Got really on stage. nice. Yeah, I mean he was very nice, but like yes, I'm. I think we're lucky to have the stories. I think so too. It's like in. I think in retrospect, like he is a very eccentric man and, yep. uh, the, I, I'm happy that he is, you know, it's, I, if it, it's, uh, it's awesome meeting these guys and, and knowing that they are regular guys. They're also wild. They're also pretty nuts. I mean, we got time to get that weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's true. Right. Yeah. We, I, you know, dreads. We'll I see. told you before we started recording, I've started in all seriousness, wearing a cowboy hat this yeah. year. So I'm on my way. Yeah, you're on your way. First you get the cowboy hat, then you get the dreads. We'll see. We'll check in next year and see how sure. you're doing. Well, I mean, we've we've totally covered all the things that I wanted to go over. And, uh, you know, once again, I just want to say check out Doom's Children, Flower Moon, the single out now. What, uh, what can we expect in the near future? Or uh, You know, I just feel like it's a very summer record. Yes. So hopefully, like... New song each month, get the record out. Like there's a full length that's done. It's just uh, like the vinyl's getting pressed right now. Yes. So hopefully the record will be out fully by the end of summer, if not like early September. But yeah, like new song coming out every month. And uh, and then, yeah, working our way back to uh, getting on the road. Live rock and roll. Which I'm very excited about because I feel like this band could really go off on a tangent yes. and like really jam and like play differently. And, and, and yeah, that's, you know, very exciting. Yeah. It's something that, you know, that you haven't done before. And it's, I mean, it's not something that's done that much anymore to begin with. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's uh, I've only, I've only seen, I, I saw, I saw like, when you go see like a Derek Truck show or whatever, like you know, you get to see something that is never replicated again, and that's yeah, really for sure. cool. You know, so that's really cool. I, I I very much so look forward to seeing the project live. Come out, just hop on. I feel like that's a thing too, where I'm just like, like, oh, we're in Hamilton. Let's just get Luke up there tonight. Um, be my pleasure. Just you know, and as I said earlier, like, what are we? What are we playing the song in? You know. Yeah, be like notes don't matter. But notes don't matter. Just play any. The color note. is red. Play any notes. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I look forward to it. Join us for some notes. Join us for some notes. Whatever you, whatever you please. Well, Wade, thank you so much for joining me in beautiful Westdale, Hamilton, Ontario, and uh, hail, hail, rock and roll, born to Rome, episode whatever. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining me, buddy. Whew.